In the beginning, there was darkness. A void waiting to be filled with the echoes of destiny. From the depths of time, legends emerged. Heroes forged in the fires of adversity, their stories etched in the fabric of eternity. Through the sands of ancient deserts, across the vast expanse of galaxies, and amidst the tumultuous waves of the ocean, their journeys began. But amidst the chaos, there arose a whisper, a call to action, a beacon of hope. Now, as the world holds its breath, a new tale unfolds, a story of courage, of triumph against all odds. Join us as we delve into the depths of imagination, as we embark on a journey beyond the realms of possibility. For in every tale lies a lesson, in every legend a truth waiting to be discovered. This is not just a podcast. This is an odyssey, a quest for knowledge, a quest for inspiration, a quest for the very essence of what it means to be human. Welcome, dear listeners, to a world of infinite possibilities. Welcome, dear listeners, to the True Life Podcast. Ladies and gentlemen, I hope your day is going beautiful. I hope the sun is shining, the birds are singing. I hope the wind is at your back. I got a great show for you today. Prepare to be inspired by the dynamic Amanda Koss, a fractional C-R-O-C-O-O, wielding expertise in deploying marketing, sales, and operational support to catapult businesses into the new dimensions of success. Amanda's journey took a transformative turn a few years ago when she literally walked on fire, an experience that ignited the belief that anything is possible when you're willing to step up. Amanda, thank you so much for being here today. That was a very brief introduction, and I was hoping you could color it in with a little bit of background. Well, thank you so much. First and foremost, thank you for having me. Um, it's it's always great to be able to come in and uh, share a little bit of my gifts with the world. So, um, so yeah, uh, I think craziest thing about me, things that, you know, you might want to know. Um, so ever, ever since really the early infancy in my career, um, I will always say that, uh, I was really brought in to kind of calm chaos and mm -hmm. for whatever reason, I love it. Uh, <laughs> it doesn't scare me. It actually excites me. Um, and, uh, I was introduced to probably one of like my most chaotic, um, in environments that I had, um, and that's my daughter leaving for work. How's yeah. it? Uh -huh. <laughs> so, um, so really one of my most chaotic moments was, you know, my husband, uh, he served in the Marine Corps and he was deploying overseas. Um, we have three beautiful children at the time. Our youngest was four months old. My middle was a year old and my oldest that you just saw walk out, yeah. go to work. She was seven at the time. Um, and I was presented really with uh, an opportunity that allowed for me to go to work for a startup. They had said to me, <clears throat> we have this challenge, we have this problem, um, we, need, we don't know why it's not working and we need you to fix it. Um, and I, I basically gave them every opportunity to say, leave this crazy girl behind. Uh, yeah. There were 
so much that was happening in my personal life. Um, and I was like, I'm set. I just can't take another risk at this point. And fortunately for me, they didn't let me say no. Um, and what I found was I was given the opportunity in an environment to fail as many times necessary to be able to find the path to success. And it was the first time in my professional career that I was really given that opportunity to be able to kind of take whatever creatively was in my mind, transform it into paper, establish processes, and wait for it to grow and nurture results. And what I what came of that exciting opportunity was we were a $2 million company. We ended up getting acquired for $180 million. Um, yeah. I mean, it was, it was great. Right. I was like, yeah. the startup thing. Um, it's phenomenal. Um, but really what it taught me was anytime I have this sense of fear in my heart or in my soul, it's when I need to lean into it because I'm going to learn something about myself and I'm going to grow and I'm going to be able to either change myself or change the world in that process. And if anything is just too easy that I'm not nervous about it, um, it's, it's not worth my time, right? It means, it means I've already conquered it and I know how to get it done and I can accomplish it. Um, accomplish it. And so that's really what kind of projected me into this self-discovery Base about myself right. and about where I stand as a, a business professional today. Um, so I started working in startups. After that, I really loved the ability to kind of come in and help stabilize a startup institution because you had that freedom. You have the ability to kind of right. move as fast as you want to move, come up with as many creative solutions as possible. Um, and probably after my fourth or fifth startup of kind of going in and starting in marketing and then working my way all the way through the entire organization and streamlining processes and being able to generate millions of dollars within less than like three months time. Um, I was like, why am I only doing this for one company at a time? Um, I really, I have a gift. Um, it, I feel like anybody who's in the startup world who just, they have a vision but they might not necessarily have all of the components to be able to help their business come or their vision come to life. I feel like if you take that risk and you decide to leave that mainstream world of a steady paycheck and somebody else, you know, covering all of the stress for you, you have the right to have that vision come to life. And so that was really the, the birth of Streamline Growth um, was really being able to kind of establish my mission as my client's vision. So they entrust me with what their vision is and what their passion is. Um, I understand it. I believe in it and I make it my own. And then we start working on the right things to be able to essentially put the processes and procedures and the right things in place to be able to help them to get to the point where they achieve success. So that's a little bit about me. Um, and I don't want to babble on too much if necessary. <laughs> I think it's amazing. And I think especially in today's climate, in today's world where the change is happening so fast, there seems to be this quickening. A lot of people find themselves either, you know, consciously or maybe circumstances beyond their control, finding themselves in positions of uncertainty, leaving yep. someplace that they've been for 10, 20, maybe 30 years. Maybe they just got caught up and like, I can't do this anymore. It's killing me. You mm -hmm. know, and to find someone who's done it, and not only done it, but is familiar 
with what it takes to embrace uncertainty. Like that's what I'm hearing. And like, that's, it's tough to do when you're coming out of something that you've done for so long, especially in the changing dynamics of the market, right? Maybe how, how do you, like, let's say someone comes out of a job and they're like, you know what, Amanda, I'm really good at this. I have this idea. I've always had it. I've been working on it. Now is the time. Like how, what are some steps that you go through with that person to really form a bond with them? Yeah, so it's a great question, um, and it, it's funny because I'm actually working through this right now with one of my very my my husband's like high school best friends, right? So, nice. Um, nice. <clears throat> so really, what takes place, and and I I tend to see this happen a lot, right? Mm -hmm. So you essentially are working inside a big organization. You've always had this idea. You've had this like under underlying concept of like, hey, I think there's a better way. I think that something out there, it should come to life. And, and I just, I don't know, like, I don't know if I'm ready. I don't know if I, and, and then all of a sudden they have to do a reduction in force and your name's on that list. Right. <laughs> yep, and yep. you know, it kind of forces your hand. It's like, what, what, what do I do now? Like, do I, I have four weeks severance or I have three months severance and you know, do I take the time to start building and how do I go about that? Um, so and, and even for the business owners that I start working with right now that have been really rooted in their business for three to five to seven years, and they're like, right. okay, I've got something, but now I need to take it to the next step. Right. Um, the first thing I do with anybody that I talk to is I start back to the why. So oh. it, and, and I do feel like sometimes people talk about it and it kind of gets glazed over. And sometimes you might just need that one person to be able to say that one thing that like your vision really starts to click. Um, but I can spend probably upwards of two to three hours with a client of mine or just a good friend and just say, okay, tell me why this needs to happen. Tell me why this has to change. Tell me what is fundamentally wrong with the process, right? There's so much yeah. time where we, we come up with these like hand statements of like why we're going to be the best and amazing. And you have these like vision statements that are like 16 paragraphs long and they're not memorable and they're not repeatable. And yeah. oftentimes when we lose sight, um, when either our business gets super stressful or we have to start coming up with new approaches or we just have to step up and start walking on fire. You kind of yeah. have to remember that like short and sweet purpose, right? Like yep. what, what do I want to do? Like, why, why am I doing this? Why am I not just going out and getting another job that I could, you know, just collect a paycheck and possibly create this process in the back end? And, you know, why is it important? <clears throat> So the, the things that I ask people to really start to remember back to, whether it happened two weeks ago that you got laid off or whether you started your business seven years ago, is I really ask them to reconnect with that feeling of why this business or service needed to come to life. What was the fundamental flaw? What was the thing that you kept saying, seeing, right? So for my business, I just kept seeing over and over again that I was working with small organizations that their businesses, their, their verticals were very siloed, right? So because a startup organization typically doesn't have a ton of structure, right? You have this yep. solopreneur or group of core four and they all kind of go off and they all do their own things and they don't really talk to one another, but you start creating something that's worth something. 
And then you're like, okay, well, we need people in order to scale. So I'm just going to throw a marketing person over there, but I'm not really going to talk to marketing. And I've got these salespeople and they're going to be kind of cool. And we just hope that they just bring us business. And, you know, and then from a fulfillment side, you know, in operations, like they're, we're going to have a process, but we're not going to really talk to sales in any way, shape or form. Right. And, and that's what I fixed. I just fixed communication layers. I always said, I like, I built the bridges between these organizations that like, if sales isn't communicating to marketing and marketing isn't communicating in lockstep with what sales needs, you, you have, you're going to have messaging that's not going to resonate with what sales has to present. And if sales is able to close things, but they're not able to talk to operations and really help them understand what they need to deliver, you're never going to have client retention. You're, you're going to lose your clients. Right. And so like startup organizations for me, I'm like, I, I can I could see where essentially we've just continuously rinsed and repeat these silos because most core four or startup founders, they can work and wear 17 hats. But when they start adding in their resources, they're adding in resources that are typically working in a nine to five, very structured, structured environment, right? So the 5% that's founding the company that have always worked in startups and know how to work independently and can bring unique ideas to the table isn't the 95% that they actually build into their business, right? So like I ask people, I'm like, go back to that very beginning, go back to that reason why you're like, this business model that I'm bringing to life is important and needs to be in the forefront of people's attention, right? Um, the second thing is I tell them to get angry, right? I tell <laughs> them to go back to the reason why they're yeah. like, I'm, I'm no longer gonna apply for another job and I want to be my own boss and I wanna take this risk yeah. because there has to be passion behind it, right? If you create a yeah. vision statement and you create a purpose that really does not connect emotionally with like something that speaks to your soul, you're never going to yeah. be able to inspire your team members to follow along with that vision or that passion. Or when funds get tight and you just need to say, hey, I need you to hang on for like three more months at a lower salary so we can make payroll, they're not going to be invested in it, right? So you want to really be able to, number one, stay as intimately as connected as possible to what your vision statement is. And then secondarily, you need to make sure that it permeates your organization. You need to know that you can really stand in front of your entire team and lead them based upon what that vision is and that they all believe in you, right? Like, yeah. th like they'll follow you blindly because they're like, man, this girl or this guy is just so passionate about this and they believe that it's there and they believe in me as part of that puzzle that's going to make it happen. And if you can do that and you can create like this little army that's following you based upon essentially what your fundamental belief was, right. whether they were there with it or not, you know, you're going to have an entire successful or uh, like engine that's going to help you progress your business forward. So I, I personally, I feel like that's the most important part. Um, and when you can figure that out and you can make it repeatable and make it memorable, um, it really helps your organization and your business to thrive. It's a, it's really well said, you know, it, and it makes me think of so many founders or so many people with a vision and they translate that vision into reality. Like, on some level, you almost have to fall on really hard times because that's the catalyst for it. Like you should be either angry or crying, you know, but like that. And when you get to that point, like hopefully a bell or something clicks and it's like, okay, that's the passion you need in order to make it successful. Like you have to go there in order to get here. Like that's the only thing that's going to drive you there is this unwavering passion and energy to be like, not again. This is for my family. 
And then, you know, there's sometimes there's that question of like, you're not, you're, you're, what about your family? You're like, yeah, I'm doing this for my family. Like, this is the only way I can do it. You know, you're like, yeah. you gotta understand that like, you'll never leave, you'll never live the life you really want without leaving the life that you're already doing. And that's scary for people, right? That's how, that's a tough thing to do. Yep. And when it's truly successful for founders is when you can actually get everybody that has come in to support your business to provide that much risk, right? So like the founders and the CEOs, they're leveraging everything, right? They're leveraging, you know, they're in doing second mortgages and, yep. you know, going yep. through all these things to be able to fund their businesses. And they have so much on the line. But additionally, their team members that jump in and do the same things. It's like, you know, I, I've worked with so many amazing companies where the people that I work with side by side, they're just phenomenal people and they could leave and they could get a salary that's 10x what they're getting in these startup organizations. But they believe that something is about to happen that they had impact on. Right. And and I feel like in any business, whether you're a small business, whether you're a big business, if you can lead by influence and you can mm. say what your impact is and that really, truly at the end of the day, right? That's all we want. We want to know that we impacted something in a positive way. And if yeah. we feel that even our smallest bit of activities influenced the ability for us to be able to get to the point where the business got acquired or the goal was achieved, your loyalty to that company is going to be so much greater um, because you've influenced, right? Influence, like, yeah. did I did I live? Did I love? Did I matter, right? Like, <laughs> that's a big thing, right? Yeah. People just want to feel like they mattered. And I, I feel so much, too, for our younger generation. They've gotten it so much better than what we have, right? So, like, we've influenced our younger generation to say, hey, yeah. you deserve more and you should create more. And now I feel like they're getting a lot of flack for it, right? Like, they come into an organization and they're like, listen, I don't want to scrub your database of emails and, yeah. you know, maybe just push a paper here. And, like, I want to create impact, right? So, if you can create impact through your leadership abilities and through casting, why it's important to show up and punch a clock and send an email or really just show up every day and do your role, whatever that role is scripted for you, you'll, you'll have loyalty and you'll have retention and you'll be able to get more out of everybody um, just through some, something as simple as kind of casting your vision and really staying true to it. Yeah. I think as we begin to scratch the surface of the world of startups and this world that we have passed on to this next generation, I think we're seeing what we're seeing underneath the first coat is this idea of something meaningful. What does it mean to live a meaningful life? And all of us, when you get down to it, like a lot of people get up and they work this, this job that they don't like because they, they're doing it for their family. But when you look at someone who is who has an idea that's contagious, a founder, a startup, something like this idea of contagion is a way in which we are passing meaning to each other. And like that's what people love, right? It's like, hey, this person inspires. When you think about influence, you think about inspiration, you think about contagion, you think about growth. Like these are real ideas that are permeating the community. And we need more of them, Amanda. We need more of this young generation to step up and be like, you know what? I believe in myself. And I'm gonna I'm gonna test this theory that I've read in all the mythology my whole life that says if you believe in something you can do it. Why can't you get up and love what you do? Like why can't that happen? We need more of that. And I, I see you doing that. It's beautiful. If you could speak to that idea a little bit more. No, and that's like it's so funny because that's like 
it's like nail on the head, right? So, so how do you, how, how do you like advertise a business that basically says like, I believe in you, right? So it, in all transparency, the reason why my relationships with my CEOs, whether they're needing me to come in from yeah. a, a CRO or a COO perspective, the reason why it works is because I believe in them. Um, like, funny story yeah. and it, it was it was kind of like one of these like aha moments as I'm watching like no joke Netflix the other day so I'm watching this docu-series um it was a true story there was a girl uh who was you know attacked and because she came out of the system they kind of painted the picture that she was lying um and unfortunately this individual went on to kind of attack multiple people in different different districts so that way hopefully it wouldn't be traced and they were very very good at what they were doing to make sure that they kind of covered all of their tracks um <clears throat> and they show the progression of the individual that was essentially deemed as a liar um and they ended up she ended up getting sued by the police um for uh, essentially wasting their efforts and lying uh that she was attacked even though she wasn't attacked and you saw her get smaller and smaller and smaller throughout the entire series of that. Like, listen, I, this is the best that I've got. I'm just going to go with what they tell me to do. Keep my mouth shut. And, you know, I'll only have probation and I have to pay a $500 fine. And I have to beg and plead to get this $500 fine. And towards the end of the series, finally, these two detectives had pieced all of the, like, pieced the entire puzzle together. And they had identified that she was actually one of the very first attacks that this individual had committed. And what happened was the, you know, long story short, she ended up getting a massive settlement from the, the police because of defamation of character and really putting her through this rigmarole, right? Um, but the whole thing that I kept thinking was, is that you saw the progression of being small, small, smaller, smaller, invisible to this point of, just having one person believe in her. And when there was one person who actually said, I'm sorry, this happened. We knew it, know it happened. And we want you to have the rights that you deserve. The, her essence and her being just grew like exponentially to the point where she wasn't taking the $5,000 settlement check that they presented to her. They said, no, I think you need to see your day in court now. And she was able to get a bigger settlement from it. And so I just wrote down, I'm like, does it just take one person to believe in you in order for you to be able to take over the world, right? And personally, when I work side by side with my CEOs, it's typically because they come in, they have this idea, they need to scale, they start throwing resources at it in terms of wherever they feel is best to be able to position and help them scale quickly but they don't necessarily have that strategic person that sits beside them that's saying, yep, this is possible and this is how we're going to make it happen. Um, and so what I do with my, my clients, I call them visionaries, right? So they've got these really big ideas. Um, they tend to have a lot of ideas um, and they tend to not be able to kind of ground them into a strategic plan. Mm. And so my, my job is to come in 
to see what their vision is, to understand what the product is, to say, yep, this is possible and this is how we're going to do it. And then I ground the organization in the strategy and the next step. So that way we have those people that need a little bit more structure. We might not have everybody in the organization that's used to working in a startup, but everybody knows what their role is, why it's important to succeed in that specific role and how to measure success. So that way they know that they've influenced the overall success of the business. Right. So I kind of, it's hard to say, but I'm like, I'm just a believer, right? I'm, I'm that one person that I'm like, listen, you deserve to have this idea come to life. So let's talk about it. Let's make sure that when you've got the crazy idea that pivots us six ways since Sunday, that it makes strategic sense for us to make the pivot now, or should we wait two months before we do it? Right. Um, Yes, for sure. You know, I know you can go ahead and write Mm -hmm. that email a hundred times faster than our, our professionals can do it right now. But unfortunately I got to teach them how to learn our messaging and they're going to only learn by doing it. If they, you let them do it. And like, they just sit back and they're like, yeah, you're right. You're, you're, yep. You're right. You're right. You know, you know, so it's just kind of like, sometimes I'm a little bit of a grounder. Sometimes I'm a little bit of a motivator, helping people feel that like somebody sees it, sees me and believes in me and gives me that extra energy and motivation to know that I can really accomplish anything as long as I just put my, put my mind to it. Yeah. It, it sounds like you have an uncanny ability to help people translate vision into reality and people need that. Like they need, because when one, if, if I see something, does it exist? But if we all see something, it definitely exists. And it, we need that. We need people around us to amplify, to point to the picture, to point why it works. And it's, I think it's imperative. Like so many people have that idea, but they don't have people behind them that believe in them. And then that idea dies on the vine. And so too does a little part of them die, right? When, when, when no one believes in them, like it's like a thought. Like the, you know, I, I believe that thoughts are things. And when you have, a thought, it becomes your idea. Your ideas become your words, your words become your actions, and it, it just transgresses that way. But it's interesting. I, I guess, you know, you emphasize surrounding yourself with professionals who share a clear vision. How do you go about building and nurturing a network of like-minded individuals? And how has it contributed to your success? So it's it, it's actually, it's really funny. The um... So the models that I use, I surround myself in as well, right? So, you know, right right here. So I personally, I'm like a big pen, paper. I love colors. I don't know why. Like colors (laughs) just make me happy. Um, But the the thing for me, the the strategies that I employ is that Mm -hmm. um, first and foremost, I will always use the EOS model. It's the entrepreneurial operating system. Um, And it's essentially written in a book called Traction. I don't know if you've ever heard of it before, um, but it starts off with the Vision Traction Organizer. Um, the importance of that is to really sit down and be able to understand vision, mission, values of the organization, um, really what are your three uniques of your business? Like what makes you different? And the biggest thing that I impress upon most of my clients is I'm like, hey, it's not faster, better, cheaper, it's you. Like you are the one thing that is the unique component out of anything that's sitting out there. Let's not forget that. And what is that attribute, right? Um, And then from there, you start talking about like really big audacious goals. What is your three-year strategy, one-year strategy? And then you get really super tactical, okay? Um, What I try to do is every 12 weeks, you are revisiting this business blueprint. 
Um, so you're going back every 12 weeks and you're saying, okay, what, what are the big things? Like, what is my vision statement? Here it is. What does it mean to me? This is why it's important to me as a CEO. What are any challenges, right? Does, does my team see it? Can my team repeat that? What would be the biggest block blocker to them understanding what that vision statement is, right? So as a CEO, you're evaluating those things almost on a 12 week cycle. So I follow a 12 week year, um, <clears throat> Because I do feel like every single day, especially in the startup world, is like it, it's so fast, right? You, yeah. you don't have an entire year to make it or break it. Sometimes you really only have a couple weeks to be able to get to the point where you have enough room to breathe, right? So um, every 12 weeks, you want to go back to those things and revisit those things and say, do they still make sense to me? Do they still resonate? Do I need to change them? Did I learn anything over the past 12 weeks that might make me want to shift or adjust mm -hmm. any of the targets that I've had? Um, I think on an annual basis, really sitting down and evaluating your values of your company, right? So my team personally, um, in order for somebody to in come and work with my team, so we are a fractional team. It's not just mm -hmm. my IP and then hopefully you can right. execute all the, the cool bells and whistles. We have a whole team that essentially I come in, I help strategize, and then my team is the executor of all of these things. Um, and so truly when we're talking to anybody, it's like we're the best of the best. Um, you're getting a fractional resource at a fraction of the cost, but you're getting maximum output. So it's just easy, right? It, yeah. It's easier. You don't have to think about it. You don't have to worry about bringing the person up to speed. Like we're getting there for you. Um, and that's one of my values is that like, I want to confidently know that anytime I pass anybody to any one of my team members that they're like, Poof, they're blown away. They're blown away by the ideas. They're blown away by the recommendations. They're blown away by the results. So that way they can get to the point where they're like, okay, it's time for me to get a full-time resource. Um, and so I, I feel like as if, if, if you're not constantly reminding yourself and rooting yourself in where you want to go, you often lose sight of that. And that's mm. where from a visionary perspective or a CEO perspective, that's sometimes where I really help ground people is that because when, when we get to the point where financial resources are constrained, you're not getting the investors knocking down your door that you expected to, or you got all the way to the point of signing paper and then you never heard anything back. And you were like, I was so close. Holy crap. What am I going to do now? What happens is then they just start to say, okay, I need to do this. I need to do that. I need to do this. And they, it's that tyranny of the urgent, right? They're pushing you in so many directions to be able yeah. to get that next dollar in the door. Yeah. And sometimes it's just a matter of saying like, okay, let's go back to our roots. Let's go back to the point of where we started from. What do we want as a team? Does it make sense? Um, I, I often use the uh, example of uh, that's it's used in the book traction and it's like a simple and easy example okay. for me. Right. So <clears throat> they talk about your niche um, and really like, what do you want to be the best at? Because um, that helps build your vision and it helps to also keep you grounded when you get into that like panic mode of like, I have to bring in revenue today and I don't know what to do, right? So they use an example that Orville Redenbacher is, um, they've, they've used this model and their one, their niche, so the one thing that they want to be better at than anybody else is popcorn. It's so simple, right? Yeah. So if... Orville Redenbacher sees that their revenue starts to dip and the CEO comes back and says, okay, well, 
I'm going to start, like, I want to start buying cattle and I think we need to do this and that. And like, really the second in command, anybody in the organization can say, how does that relate to popcorn? And it really just brings you back and it grounds you, right? So you have to have that grounding mechanism, either it's a person or it's a statement or it's an understanding of like, when I feel to the point where I need to pivot because I'm stressed and beyond control, like what's the one thing that's going to ground me? Um, And really understanding what your niche and what you want to do better than anybody else helps you kind of avoid that tyranny, uh, the tyrannical, tyranny of the urgent kind of curvy road that unfortunately it's a real success and it postpones any real growth because any project your team was working on, they have to stop, pivot, and try a new project that you might just pull under out from underneath them uh, in 10 minutes when the next emergency arises, right? So um, helping establish that is, and really staying connected to that and having your team understand that connection helps you really stay continuously focused on how do you get to the bigger the bigger goal. It- Thank you. It's really well said. And I, I admire the background and, and understanding a little bit about how the idea works. My next question has to do with just this idea of fractional. You know, fractions can be big numbers. Fractions can be small numbers. Maybe you work with someone for a long time. Maybe you work with them for a short time. And also on some level, it seems to me that fractional teams like yours are really creating a new way in which streamlining great ideas for communities can be incredible because you can go and work with, maybe you work with one founder for a month and they get it. That's whatever their goal was. Maybe they needed you for that time. You mentor them for a month, boom, they're good. Maybe you work with someone else for a year and you mentor them, but your team is constantly being nimble and moving throughout different communities and you're learning along the way. Maybe you could speak to this idea, this wave of fractional, maybe your team specifically, about what you guys are learning and how it's radiating out into the world as a positive thing. Yeah, so for us, you know, I feel like the world's gotten a little bit um, jaded by what consultants can do, right? Yes. So everybody's like, I promise you the world. And, you know, um, whether whether the synergies between the individuals just didn't work out or whether the solutions they presented were not the right solutions or whether the ROI just wasn't there, the, <clears throat> the premise for our business is truly that we're going to pass our IP to you. We don't want you to use us for the rest of your, like we, we want to work ourselves out of a job. Like that is our primary goal, right? Um, Because if we do our job well, you should be able to scale to the point where you need a full-time asset. And that's where we kind of were like, okay, we did our, we did our job. We showed you the right things. And now you're scaling to the point where you're exceeding next steps. Um, And um, I, I think that's the difference between my organization and other fractionals. So we we do offer really budget-friendly solutions, right? You can retain us for as minimal as 20 hours a month, which is five hours a week. You could do a full part-time engagement, right? Where you're 20 hours a week, 80 hours a month of just having an entire team permeate your organization and be able to help you progress it forward. the, the goal for us is to be able to understand, number one, your messaging, refine it to the point where it's truly hitting the target audience that you need to be successful, to be able to build enough of a pipeline 
So that way you have the right processes, you know the right target audience, you've taken your product, if you have a product or your service, to that next level. So that way you're really understanding what your market value really is, um, and then being able to deliver on those results. So for us, we deliver like a 90-day ROI. Um, so we establish new goals every 30, 60, 90 days. We have a unique set of um, targets that our team is supposed to be responsible for hitting. And then after every 90 days, we will come back with a new set of targets, right? So we are really goal-based and goal-driven because we want to constantly show you what we've done to progress your business every 30 days. Like it's not acceptable for us to stay in one place. Um, and if we do, there's a very specific reason for that. Um, and we're able to kind of provide you with that information. The next piece for us is because we understand your business so intimately, because we were part of your team, um, we then do essentially values-based interviewing to be able to find the right people that would integrate well with your team. You don't just want an individual. You want somebody who's, who operates off the same value system, right? And yeah. that's going to blend well. That's going to see value in the, um, the output of what they're able to provide you. Um, and then from there, with the processes that we create, we create standard operating procedures. We create training. So we do video training that then goes into your library. So that way, in the event that the resource doesn't work out, what you're able to do is then they have a full training library that's conducted by us that's still there that you don't have to really get involved in um, once we've exited stage right and now you have full-time assets in there. Um, and I think that's the piece, at least that I've seen yeah. for my clients that have it's built that peace of mind. Um, we've had clients, we've had clients for five years. We've had clients for six years. Um, and in some instances for those clients, they wanted, they, they didn't need a full-time asset. They've, they know that it's a part-time position that would never really need to scale outside of that, but they wanted to go off and start a secondary business. So they've given us really keys to their kingdom to operate and run their entire organization off of very limited hours. So that way they can go and build another empire somewhere else. And on a weekly basis, we give them an update on how things are going. If there are any major fires that need to be put out, they're being called in, but really they're, they're just, they're just the CEO, right? <laughs> like they're just, everything else is happening, running and functioning the way they want it to be. And we're doing, we're moving all the cogs for them, right? And other institutions, you know, they're, they're getting to the point where we're scaling to the point where we're like, okay, listen guys, like we love you to death and we know that you love us and that things have worked really well, but like, I think it's time for us to kind of start exiting. And usually when we push that, like usually we push the exit um, because it's getting to the point where the demand for us will be too great for us to be able to support growth for any other client. It's really well said. Can you give me an example of a relationship that you really admire? That's a big question. I know. <laughs> <laughs> it's a good one though. It is a good one. If I had to say the relationship that I would, I really admire, it would be the one between myself and my 18 year old. Um, because I've always been a great communicator. Um, my my EQ is is I can tell. 
is off the charts. pretty big. Yeah, like it's <laughs> it's pretty big, right? Um, of course. And so I feel like I've always prided teaching my children kind of the value because um, it, it was instilled in me when I was younger, right? My, my father and my mother, like we, like our foundation of our household was really just based on communicating. Like you just communicated until the cows came home and that was, that was what you did. Um, and so I transferred that education to, to our children. Um, but then watching my daughter go through some really challenging personal journeys of her own watching her educate me on how I can even elevate my EQ yeah. <laughs> on top of like the tools that I gave her and then the tools that she learned through her own journey. And then the respect that we have with one another um, from a communication perspective is probably one of, I, I always say it's one of my greatest success stories, right? It is like, put a fork in me. I'm done. I'm, yeah. I'm successful with, with how that's all worked out. I mean, she's still a teenager. She's still sometimes, mm. you know, not, doesn't make the best decisions, but like, I feel like grand scheme of things, like that relationship that we have and that ability to be able to trust one another with just valuable information and how to communicate, um, is, has taught me even further how to transition that with my team and my business. And I do feel like at her young age, she feels as though, she has a greater impact and she's meant for something greater today. Not really knowing what that is yet, but I know that she believes that there's something great for her. Um, that's next up. So. That's it's wonderful. Yeah. <laughs> thanks for answering it. I, it, I think it's a great way to, I, I look, I walked you right up to the 11 o'clock hour and um, <laughs> before I let you go though, First off, thank you very much for your time. I really enjoyed it. We should talk more. I think we just scratched the surface of it. But where can people find you? What do you have coming up and what are you excited about? Yeah, so um, you can find me, streamlinegrowth.net. Um, that is our business page. You get to see kind of the full landscape of our team, all the services that we can offer. Um, and, you know, coming up, I'll be – so it's so weird because I work with so many different clients. I go on the road with my clients, to, and I, I operate, and I stand, and I function in a room as them, right? So um, I'm headed to Pittsburgh. Um, I'm going to be going to North Carolina um, in a couple weeks doing some panel discussions. Um, yeah, so lots of different things, but just for different businesses. So if you're interested in, in catching up with me at any of those locations, let me know. Um, and really just excited for what 24 is about to present, right? Um, been doing a lot of manifesting in the new year and really just casting my vision for what's next and putting a lot of my limiting beliefs behind me. So that way I can focus and really invite in um, everything that is supposed to be in front of me. And um, so I think it's all next, right? It's all just driftwood and I'm picking up the little pieces here and there. Meaningful. I love it. Ladies and gentlemen, hang on briefly afterwards, man. I'll talk to you just briefly afterwards, but to everybody who got to spend some time with us today or when you're ever listening to this, go down to the show notes, reach out to Madness, check her out. She's incredible off the charts her eq is it'll blow your mind just to talk to her thank you so much for being here ladies and gentlemen I hope you have a wonderful day that's all we got aloha aloha everyone thanks for taking a moment to hang out with me in the true life podcast i truly appreciate it if you're taking some time to listen to this whether it's your first podcast with me or you've been with me the whole way i truly want to say thank you from the bottom of my heart additionally i would like to try to inspire everyone the world is a crazy place and if you listen to your heart and you take some chances 
I really think the world will unfold in front of you in ways you can't imagine. I've been doing the podcast for about five years. Last year, I decided to take the plunge. Well, circumstances dictated that I took the plunge, and I did. I've begun working on the podcast full-time for almost a year now, and it's been so rewarding to me that I just want to try and inspire other people. If you have a dream, if you have a vision, follow the voice in your heart. Listen to the song on the wind and embrace the challenge. I think you're strong enough, you're smart enough, and you're good enough to make your dreams come true, but you have to believe in them. And I truly believe wholeheartedly that if you take a chance, a real chance on what is possible, then your dreams will unfold in front of you. Uncertainty can be a monster. It can be something that we run away from. But much like fear, if you stand in front of it, it's not that big of a problem. I know everyone listening to this has a dream and a vision, and I hope you all conquer it. And I want you to know it's possible. Take baby steps and move towards it, and you will get closer to it. Your relationships will be better. Your life will be better. And you know what? You deserve it. You're an amazing person. If you get a moment, go down to the show notes. If you can, support the show. Thank you so much for being here. Now let's get to it.